Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend as we join you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. One final time this offseason before we head to Goodyear, Arizona and Tribe Spring Training. That's where we will join you from next weekend. And the show will originate from Goodyear for the next several weeks throughout spring training as we get you ready for the 2019 season. Coming up on this week's show, we'll take a look around the American League Central Division, complete our previews of the Indians' division rivals with a White Sox preview. Jason Benetti, their television voice, will join us in just a few moments to preview the White Sox. We'll also hear from Ryan Lefevre, longtime broadcaster for the Kansas City Royals. He'll fill us in on Royals baseball 2019 and what we can expect from another of the rebuilding teams. Are they getting closer to being a contender in the division? And also later on in our show, we'll hear from Terry Francona. The tribe manager meets with the media each day after the workouts at spring training. And we'll hear some of Tito's thoughts after yesterday's workout as, again, the Indians are battling some less than ideal weather, especially for Goodyear, Arizona, where it always seems to be uh, picture-perfect baseball weather out there, but not so so far for the pitchers and catchers who have begun their workout. So a lot to get to on this week's show. You stay with us. We'll get things rolling with our White Sox preview right after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Sports View. Next topic, is it really all about power? Makes me think of Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Gives you the power to find options based on your budget. Let's go to Chuck for an irrelevant analogy. Man, back in the day, people didn't ask how many oranges are in the crate. They just took the oranges. They didn't say, are there 6, 7, 12, 15, whatever. It was just oranges. You get me? We get you, Chuck. In a word, oranges. Give it to us straight with the Progressive Name Your Price tool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And don't forget, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so. At Indians Radio is our Twitter address. Well, the Chicago White Sox are an intriguing team within the division as we continue our previews of American League Central Division opponents for the Indians. The White Sox in rebuild mode the past several seasons, full-on rebuild last year as they went extremely young, played some of their young prospects quite a bit at the major league level, and there are quite a few more on the horizon for a farm system that is generally regarded as teeming with top-quality prospects. And then the White Sox this offseason went out and made some nice veteran free agent signings and acquisitions, and there's one still hanging out there that's been talked about quite a bit this offseason. That's Manny Machado, who, along with Bryce Harper, one of the coveted free agents for all teams in baseball that can afford those two, or at least what they're asking. And the White Sox have uh, been rumored for much of the offseason to be in deep on Manny Machado, uh, albeit with no deal yet for Machado and the White Sox. But uh, we welcome in Jason Benetti, the television voice for the White Sox, also calls college basketball and college football on ESPN. And uh, Jason fills us in on all those moves that have been made by the White Sox and the one that hasn't yet but could be the big one, a potential signing of Manny Machado. The interesting thing, Rose, is when you look at that one move you're talking about, the the man uh, – who shall remain nameless, at least for now, with a team for a home. Uh, if it's Machado, that changes the look of the infield, certainly for the White Sox. But I think just based on time elapsing and some development, you're going to see a better team this year. But you talked about some of the moves. Kind of under the radar, Ivan Nova and Manny Banuelos, who they feel like can give them some innings at the very least and solid to strong innings at most. Uh, in the starting rotation to help bolster that really uh, up and down last year, young rotation they had. Uh, the good news is you have Carlos Rodon for a full season now, and it's the first time in a couple of years that's been true. And if he pitches like he did early in the, the time he was in the majors and healthy last year, he's going to be outstanding. Uh, in terms of position players, the, the guy that I think – you probably won't see in that opening series in Cleveland uh, wraparound March and April is Eloy Jimenez. Uh, you would imagine he would be in a similar situation to what Vlad Guerrero Jr. is in with the Blue Jays in that he'll end up showing up at some point early this season, but not until some things get worked out, I guess I should say. We all know what the discussion is there in terms of service time and whatnot, but uh, no team can say it, and it's better that it will be left unsaid for the teams at least. But we'll see Eloy Jimenez, and I think he's going to be uh, a, a superstar. I really do. Uh, so he's a, he's the type of guy you're going to see in the Central for years, and you may not be terribly happy about it because he is he's well-built, he's strong as an ox, and he told me at a Sox function, I asked him one question up on stage with some of the rest of the players. I said, what do you expect from 2019? And he said, I plan to be rookie of the year. So that's that. It's good to have goals, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I give him the award now. No, he's, uh, he's, 
he's going to be a dandy. He really is. Hey, now you said you asked him a question. Did you speak Spanish to him, or is his English that far along that uh, that he's doing well in that area too? See, that's one of the things about him that makes me so excited to see what he can be for the people of Chicago and as a crossover star. His first ever interview he did live on TV with us. He had the option of bringing our interpreter, Billy Russo, the team interpreter, up to the booth with him, and he waved Billy off. And he came upstairs, and he did a graceful, thoughtful, smart interview with us uh, that was so strong English-wise. If his acuity for learning a language is similar to that of gaining skill in the game of baseball and nuanced skill, which it seems to be, that's why I think he could just have a, a, a huge rise in this game. Talking White Sox with their television voice, Jason Benetti. And uh, certainly Chicago could be one of those teams that challenges the Indians. Last year heading into the season, uh, it certainly appeared to be a division that was there for the taking for the Tribe rather easily, and that's what turned out. But uh, this year heading in, some intriguing uh, teams around the division for sure, and the White Sox, one of those. And, uh, Jason, you look at uh, some additions in the offseason. Yonder Alonzo, familiar name from the Tribe, uh, will now be with the White Sox. Does he play much first base, or, or is Jose Abreu still locked down there, or do they kind of share the designated hitter's duties there? Looks like it's going to be a split. Uh, looks like Ricky Renteria has finally convinced Jose Abreu that DHing is not a terrible thing. Uh, he has been of the opinion for years that he's not earning his money well enough if he's DHing. He doesn't like to DH, hasn't liked to DH. But it seems like in order to give Jose more rest as he goes past 30 and gets an opportunity to see what it's like to be more fresh, down the stretch of a season, I think it's going to be more of a split than it is one or the other over at first base, and obviously injuries can change that. But I think going into the year, based on what Rick Renteria said at Sox Fest a couple of weeks ago, it'll, it'll be a split. And you look at uh, the rotation, you mentioned some names in there, and, and there are certainly some intriguing names. One who doesn't figure to be there early, but certainly has been on the radar for a little bit, uh, Mike Kopech. Uh, how far along is he in his return from Tommy John surgery, and would we see him at some point this summer? I don't think this year, but stranger things have happened. Uh, he just threw for the first time about a week ago. Uh, there's a little bit of video of it that the White Sox tweeted. So he's just throwing, so I wouldn't imagine they'd at all do any anything resembling rushing him this season. So I would say Kopech for 2020. Uh, not the presidency, just the starting rotation, at least for now. And the uh, the idea the idea is that uh, the one guy they're getting back from Tommy John surgery, who's been off for a year and a half, Zach Birdie, uh, who was a first round pick out of Louisville, local kid, kind of a back of the bullpen profile. He is coming back. He'll be in spring training. I would imagine he'd start in the minor leagues, but he's one of those young pitchers you could see. Kopech, though, I would imagine 2020. And you mentioned bullpen, and at the end of last season, it just looked like it was a scramble to find um, arms to, to get you through to the end of the year. But some nice work in the offseason. The bullpen looks like it, it might be coming together a little bit for the White Sox. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Herrera from the Royals, who we know well, uh, obviously has the ability to get you out in the back end of a game. Uh, 
all like you said, what was missing was just outs. Like you didn't have the reliable guy to get you three outs when you needed three outs. And that's not a knock on any of those guys. They're all just so darn young. Like you saw Kipnis had the grand slam against Ian Hamilton. And that was the first taste of any of that type of situation for Hamilton. And Caleb Frere is a young name. You'll see the one guy who I think will be linchpin like is Jace Fry, the lefty who you all saw last year in his first full season in majors, his confidence skyrocketed last year and his numbers were quite good for the most part so he and Herrera on the back end of the bullpen I think will provide some stability along with a couple other names who they hope will develop like Jace Fry did last year all right let's circle back to where we started with the Manny Machado discussion does he become a Chicago White Sox uh, in this age of of social media, the kids, right? They're all on it, and, and they provide the insight. I have a teenager who follows baseball like you wouldn't believe, and, and he said, hey, Dad, I saw he posted a, a tweet or, or a Snapchat or something with he's got spikes that they're White Sox colors, and he's ordered new gloves, and they're all black and, and white with the White Sox logo. What's going on there? Is that legitimate fire right there that, that he could be a Chicago White Sox before the season? We've all become baseball Agatha Christie. I, it's amazing. Like, the clues are right in front of you, we learned in Scooby-Doo. Like, you've got to put them together. Uh, I, now, I, sometimes I just think these guys are messing with us. Like, I, and honestly, wouldn't you want to have a little fun with people, too? I don't know. I, I, I've always thought the Sox are very in on Manny Machado based on what I've heard. I, I still feel that way. And it's just a matter of when the deal gets done. I'm, as we talk, I'm about to get on a plane in a couple hours, and I'm afraid to get on a plane all the time because I think that's going to be the day that he signs with somebody, and I'm not going to see it live. Like, I was on a plane back from uh, London when Jose Quintana got traded. Like, I was over, I was over Newfoundland when Jose Quintana got traded. So I have, like, a, a trade uh, anxiety thing going on or a signee anxiety thing i i think manny machado very well could be a white Sox player in a week but but i don't i don't know and I, nobody knows other than him and i don't even think he knows right now because if he knew or his agent knew he'd already be there so there's just there's also the component of harper and machado wanting to get the better deal than the other and the market so I would hope so. I mean, for the people who say, well, Manny Machado didn't run out that ball in the World Series, I get that. But that's one instance. What about the time he had three homers against the White Sox? Like, I, I want good players. I, I just want to watch good players, great players. That, that's what we're here for. People who say, like, oh, I don't think he fits in. He's a great player. Bryce Harper is a great player, and they tend to elevate others for the most part, even if they have some negative personality quirks. So I hope so. We'll find out. Rick Hahn even said, the Sox GM, he said, we'll be disappointed if, if we don't get Manny Machado or, or Bryce Harper. He couldn't say the names because he has to say premium free agent for tampering purposes, but we knew what he meant, and I think, I think that goes for everybody. But if you don't get Manny Machado – 
that doesn't cancel what has been, for the most part, a successful stockpiling of young talent. That still exists. All right. For those listening closely, you mentioned you've, you've been on a plane a little bit the last couple of days. Uh, for those who don't know Jason Benetti, in addition to his White Sox television uh, broadcasting duties, also handles a lot of college basketball for ESPN. You were down in Columbus uh, earlier this week taking in a Buckeyes game and uh, – what do we got? Scouting report on the Buckeyes. Can they make some noise in the tournament if they get there? Yeah, I didn't do much for the Buckeyes, Rosie. Uh, the Illini kind of waxed them late, uh, one by seven. And I, I saw Ohio State the week before against Penn State, and they escaped with a win. And there there are some talented players, like Caleb Wesson is a really talented guy, but he, he's had trouble staying out of foul trouble. Uh, C.J. Jackson, the senior guard, is is a skilled player, but sometimes has trouble with pressure. So I think they'll end up making the NCAA tournament. They have a lot of opportunities for really marquee wins down this stretch. Uh, but what they do in the tournament, uh, I don't know. I don't think they're one of the top teams in the Big Ten, but I, I really believe in Chris Holtman as a head coach. I knew him way back when in the big South days when he was at Gardner Webb, and I thought he was a darn good coach then, and I still think so. So uh, I'm bullish on, on the Buckeyes in the future. Boy, we're branching out a little bit this week on Tribe Talk. And uh, Jason, thanks so much for, for coming by. I appreciate you fitting us in, and uh, I'll catch up with you out in spring training. Rosie, if you were doing a show about crocheting, I would do it because I like you so darn much. <laughs> thanks, pal. Talk to you soon. Thank you. That's Jason Benetti, television voice for the Chicago White Sox. And no, Crochet Corner will not be a regular feature here on Tribe Talk. But uh, kind of intriguing to think about that. How would we fit that in? (laughs) But uh, thanks to Jason for coming by. Always good to chat with him. And we'll see him out at spring training when the Indians and the White Sox meet on a couple of occasions this spring. Stay with us when we come back. Ryan Lefevre will fill us in on the Kansas City Royals, a team that lost more than 100 games a season ago, but maybe, just maybe, made some progress on their rebuilding efforts as they try and get closer to the Indians in the American League Central Division. That comes your way shortly as we continue with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Let's in Goodyear, Arizona, and we will also have baseball on the radio next Saturday afternoon. Tom Hamilton begins his 30th season behind the mic for the Indians as the Tribe takes on the Reds next Saturday afternoon in Goodyear, a home game for Cincinnati in the ballpark that the Indians and the Reds share. We'll be on the air right around 3 o'clock for you to cover all the action of the exhibition season opener right here on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Now, along the way this spring, we'll see the Kansas City Royals on occasion. Last season for Kansas City, 104 losses. And when a team loses more than 100 games, it's hard to find a silver lining. But Ryan Lefevre did. He's the longtime broadcaster for the Royals, a former Cleveland Indians farmhand, by the way. And uh, he says for a 100-plus loss season, it really can be termed a success for Kansas City because of the way things finished up. Well, first of all, good to talk to you again, Rosie. It was, if you're going to have a 100-loss season like we did, last year was the perfect 100-loss season, 104 losses to be exact. And what I mean is, in the first half, the Royals were 41 games under 500, 41 at the All-Star break. That's, that's hard to do. That's really bad. 
they were five games under in the second half. And a lot of that, most of it, if not all of it, coincided with calling up young players from the minor leagues, which the fans wanted. I think our fans understand now that we're not going to be out there looking at Bryce Harper and Manny Machado to fix our problems. They've seen the Royals build from the system and go to a couple World Series and win one. So they were excited from the beginning about seeing the next wave of young players. Well, the first half was mostly veterans to allow some of those young players a little more seasoning in the minor leagues, and it just, it just didn't work out. So here come the young guys, and they perform well right away, which is still a direct result of the Royals going to the World Series. And, you know, when you're good at the big league level for an extended period of time, then your players in the minor leagues are at the level they should be, if not a level lower. So when they get to the big leagues, they're ready to play. You're not rushing a kid up and he's overwhelmed and overmatched. And then you wonder, gosh, are we ever going to get this kid back? So just about everybody the Royals called up last year, as far as young players from the system, they were ready to go. They played well. And it was, it was fun baseball in the second half. And so the, if you only watched the Royal season by way of a box score and didn't see the games and didn't compare the first half to the second half. Yes. It seemed like a dreadful season, but the second half was a lot of fun. And I think it's reasonable, very reasonable for the Royals to be able to take a big step forward this year. You mentioned young players and and the one who really stood out to me toward the tail end of the season. And and maybe it kind of dovetails into what you were talking about with uh, the World Series experience and where that put players. Uh, Adalberto Mondesi, man, he, he really impressed down the stretch. And, and what's the excitement level for him in that you might have a shortstop for a long, long time? Well, brace yourself before I make this statement because I don't want to offend you or anybody in Cleveland. But from a just a skills standpoint, he's similar to and maybe even a little more physically gifted than Francisco Lindor. Now, Lindor is way more polished than Mondesi is at this point. Lindor has that that sixth tool, obviously, or just that feel for the game and his energy and his knack for delivering when the team needs it. I mean, I, I love Francisco Lindor. But if you took Francisco Lindor and Adalberto Mondesi to Japan and had an open tryout in front of those teams that didn't really – know much about their success off the field, you'd probably take Mondesi. He's a little bit faster. He has a stronger arm. He has a little more range. He probably has more power. He just hasn't been able to put it all together yet like you know Lindor seemed to do immediately until really the last month and a half of the season where I think he, I think he began to realize how good he was. And, and I think he went out and started enjoying – playing the game in his style of play where everybody knew about Adalberto Mondesi. You know, his father was a big leaguer. He was a, you know, the Royals spent a lot of money to sign him out of the Dominican Republic. He's been our top prospect for years. And I I think that hurt him more than it helped him because he was trying to live up to something other than just being the best player he was designed to be. And that finally came to fruition middle of August, late August. And, Sometimes I wonder, Rosie, you know, we have a we have a dual stadium complex in Kansas City, the Chiefs on one side of the parking lot and the Royals on the other side. And when they're at their best, we might have 
two of the most dynamic players in each sport with Patrick Mahomes in one stadium and Adalberto Mondesi in the other. Boy, what are the chances at the same time, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's they're they're exciting. I mean, they're they're both fun to watch, and you know, Mahomes is probably the MVP, um, and Lindor, you know, is always going to be an MVP candidate every year. But Mondesi's got that got that kind of talent. Now we'll just see if he can build on what he did last year. Another good young player, a lot further along in his career, but I, I know the Royals just locked him up to a long-term deal. Is Whit Merrifield and. Boy, that's one of the, the real nice stories in baseball, considering how much time he had to spend in the minor leagues. And he was exposed to the Rule 5 draft twice. So there were two opportunities for the other 29 teams to simply draft Whitten Merrifield. They didn't have to trade for him. They didn't have to spend a lot of money for him. Just draft him away. And there are a lot of um, general managers, I'm sure, asking their scouting department, now, why didn't we take this guy? But he he was not a highly touted prospect. He was well known for having a walk-off hit at South Carolina to win the College World Series, I think, in 09 to beat UCLA. And he was a solid minor league player, but being exposed twice and not being selected, he's always played with a chip on his shoulder, and that chip got bigger, and he got bigger. He went out and He's got this infamous diet. I don't think he's on it anymore. But he's eating like nine eggs a day to, you know, build protein or to build up his protein so he could add muscle. And it paid off. You know, Rosie, we've seen a lot of guys muscle up and it wrecks their career because they try and become somebody they're not. And Witt muscled up and it really helped him. It helped him quite a bit. He had a really good year two years ago. He had a great year last year. And this is typical Dayton Moore general manager of the Royals. A few years ago, Salvador Perez was signed to an incredibly team-friendly contract. And as Dayton put it, he just outplayed his contract. And they tore it up and they gave him a brand new contract, which the Royals were not obligated at all to do. But in good faith, because Salvador Perez became such a star, he got a brand new contract for a lot more money. With Merrifield is still under team control for four more years. So he needs one more year to become arbitration eligible. He's, uh, you know, he's in his 30s. And so, you know, his financial window, a huge financial window, was closing in on him. And But date, typical Dayton Moore, rewarding a player for his hard work and his accomplishment at the big league level, gave him a four-year contract, which the Royals didn't have to do. But it gives Witt some security. It rewards him for great seasons when he's beyond that financial window and he's he's fun to watch he's he's i'm glad i'm glad he's going to be here for the long term royals broadcaster ryan lefevre joining us as we take our look around the american league central division indians opponents that they play a bunch during the regular season uh boy you look at it and and they win the world series in 2015 and i guess it's just the nature of of any team sport now whether it's baseball football the NBA, NHL, roster turnover is unbelievable. And I'm looking at your roster, and I'm thinking I'm probably missing someone, but Alex Gordon and Salvador Perez, the only two left, and, and there may be a, another one in there or two, but what the, where do they fit in all this, and what do they still mean to this team where the team is now in terms of development? Yeah, that's a really intriguing question from a year ago, which I think was answered during the season, we all wondered the same thing. And I'll just throw Danny Duffy into that mix and 
uh, Mike Moustakis, who returned and then was traded away. Those four guys on opening day last year had won a World Series. Kelvin Herrera, we ended up trading him away too. So there are four, five, six guys on the roster. But those guys in particular, Rosie, we wondered. I mean, they're all professionals, but they – they're World Series champions, and now we're looking at 90, maybe 100 losses on opening day last year. How would they handle that? How would they, you know, they'd all been through rebuilds already. How would they handle going through it again? And they loved it. And we saw leadership qualities from those guys that they hadn't shown before. There was, there was energy. I mean, not only did the team play well in the second half, but those veterans played well in the second half. So I, I think they really relished being in a leadership role. And with so many guys who had left, that the few guys that were there had a chance to do things that they otherwise wouldn't do when the whole gang was there. Because there was a, you know, they all came up together and they policed each other. And so I think it was really difficult for a few guys to kind of step up and say, I'm the leader. Because it's, you know, it's like a family, you know, you might have an older sibling who takes charge, but it's like, hey, this is, this is the way our family works here. Well, a couple of siblings move on and go off to college and, and, you know, take a job in another state. Well, then it's up to the other siblings to say, okay, now, now how are we going to do this? And that's what happened last year. And so they were really energized by the young group. But to your point, last year at this time, we were all wondering, how, how are these guys going to handle it? And it worked out great. And leading the Royals once again, Ned Yost. And, and maybe a similar type question, Ryan. Uh, you know, here's a guy who who managed his team to a World Series championship and now is being asked to oversee that rebuild. And sometimes managers don't do that. They, there's a change mm-hmm. made and they want a younger voice or something different. But Ned is at the helm. He's made it through that 104 loss season a year ago. What are you seeing in him that, that maybe is different from when your team was a, a contender uh, for several years in a row there? Well, this is kind of a sappy answer so i apologize but i when i've been asked that question i I refer to um there's a a country music song by trace adkins called you're gonna miss this and it's basically the story of his daughter and as as she as she gets older and is looking forward to the next thing i can't wait till high school's over i can't wait till i get my new my first house i can't wait till my kids grow up and all along during the song, adults are saying, hey, slow down. You're, you're going to miss this. And I think that's that's how I see Ned. He's getting to the end of his managerial career. And I think he's really just kind of sitting back and soaking it in. And I think he, he realizes he's going to miss this someday. He's he's going to miss the process. He's going uh, He's got a World Series. And given the choice between 100 losses and a World Series, obviously we know what he's going to choose. But I think Ned enjoys the process every manager every general manager for that matter understands that there is a process but it's like let's just get this thing over with let's 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 get through the process and start winning where i think ned really kind of you know he can kind of sit back and smell the roses and he admits that the young players give him energy and he loves watching players develop and improve and you know, he love. I think he loves bringing a player into his office, and the player thinks he's struggling, but he's actually making gains and getting better. And Ned loves to sit those players down and explain to them how they're getting better and 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 having an impact on them emotionally by you know having that connection. So, in the in the twilight of his managerial career, he's got one year left on his contract. Nobody really knows you know if this is it or if he's going to stick around for another 
year or two, I think he just appreciates more the entire process. And in that way, it allows him to be more patient and to get through the tougher seasons because he was a coach with the Braves when they went from last place to the World Series in 91 and then won 14 straight division titles. He was there for half of that. He was with the Brewers when they were really bad and were on the edge of the playoffs when he was let go. So he was you know, responsible for that turnaround. And then he's done it here with the Royals. So he knows what it takes. He knows that there's a process. He enjoys it, though. Well, I think the Royals and really the division seems a lot more interesting heading into the season this year than it did a year ago. And then we'll certainly get a, a first look at Kansas City out in Arizona at spring training. And uh, Rhino, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you then. See you in Goodware, Rosie. That's Ryan LeFever, longtime broadcaster for the Royals. Always enjoy having Ryan on our program this time of year. And certainly some optimism in Royals camp as they get going this week out in Surprise, Arizona. Indians are underway. Pitchers and catchers reporting earlier this week. We'll hear from Tribe Manager Terry Francona on some of the early camp developments after this timeout. On the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, our final segment on this week's show. Great to have you with us for Baseball Talk on the radio for our final hot stove show as we wrap things up here in Northeast Ohio and pack it up and head out to Goodyear this week. And that's where our show will originate from next week. You can hear the show each week on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network, participating stations carrying Tribe Talk. You can also hear it if you go online to Indians.com under the uh, audio video uh, drop down, you'll find us there, including archived uh, shows as well, and easy to find it in podcast form. Just go to Apple iTunes under Cleveland Indians Podcast, and you can download it and listen to it whenever you like. So a lot of ways to hear Tribe Talk each week. Terry Francona talks to the media after each of the workouts out in Goodyear, Arizona, during spring training, and uh, some snippets from Tito's thoughts on Friday after another challenging day weather-wise in Goodyear, Arizona. What's going on out there? We, the position players are out. You know, the guys that are here are out doing, taking ground balls and hitting. We canceled the PFP again today just because it was so so wet out there. Um, everybody got the throwing in. It was almost a similar day as yesterday, even though the day was ended up being a lot nicer. Um, just and you know at 9:30 when we went out there it was gray and wet and just didn't seem to make sense <coughs> we're fighting right now not fighting we're trying to figure out because the next 10 days are supposed to be kind of similar you know do we move back the day start a little later you know it it would be an easy one but you know we've got so many things lined up in the morning. You know, Majestic comes in one morning, the Major League alumni one morning. So it, it, it kind of sets in motion. So we got to see. We, we, we'll work through it. We'll see. If we think we can get our work done better by coming a little later for a few days, we may do it, but we, we'll see. So there's just some of the thoughts of Tribe Manager Terry Francona. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Thanks to Anthony Alford and Brian Matze for their help on this week's show. We'll join you next week from Goodyear, Arizona, and Tribe Spring Training. Looking forward to it. Until then, 
This is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians.